There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome back, Laurie and Julia Show. My talk 107 on everything entertainment for your Thursday. Laurie, a little under the weather today, so Stephanie Hansen is joining us. We thank her for filling in on very short notice. Do appreciate that. And uh, go get your colonoscopies because they're important. Well, they are, Daddy. PSA. And, yes, they are important. And eat mushrooms, gentlemen. There was a big study coming out about oh, mushrooms yeah, and your prostate. That's right. There was. What are you laughing for? I tried to shove them just... down my kids' throats the other <laughs> and day. Eat mushrooms. It's true. <laughs> and my kid, one of them, I hate mushrooms. And I'm like, just eat them. You can eat mushroom powder and hide yeah. it. There you go. I should hide it. Well, I don't see him enough to do that, but it was kind of funny because they're like, Mom, you always try to shove stuff at us. <laughs> Can't we just be here? Are you telling us? No, I'm no. your mother. To make so a dentist appointment to me, do this, to do that. You. I know. That's it. right. It was. Okay, so um, I got something for the very first time. I don't know if you looked, if you bought a new pair of pants or something new. I did buy a new pair of pants yesterday. Okay, so I'm wearing a brown new pair of Levi's. I had to buy in Washington, D.C. because it was so hot there. I was melting in my winter wardrobe that I was wearing. <laughs> so I went and bought these. But it came inside, you know, it had 17 different strips of different things inside yeah, of the jeans. The and tags, I cut out yeah. everything. And one of them said waterless and it has a hand. I've never seen this before on my clothing. And it says, care for our planet, wash less, wash cold, line drive, donate or recycle. Have you ever seen that before? I mean, it's a no, it's a no, no, no but terms. I don't wash my jeans very much. Yeah. I mean, I always wash cold and I hang dry them. I never put them in the dryer. You hang dry your jeans? Oh, I don't put them in the dryer now. I you, put mine in the dryer, I but I don't to. wash them. I need that them much. to shrink down. Oh, no, I don't. Well, because we're buying a lot of the stretchy ones. Yeah, and they stretch out so Mm -hmm. bad. But so you, but I kind of thought that was something new. Yeah. You know. I. It's kind of goes along with, and no one's going to appreciate my sentiment here, but I always feel a little irritated when two things happen. One is when you don't serve me water at a restaurant because you're preserving the environment. I just think you're lazy. Two. The spoken. We're getting inside well, restaurant scoop here. Two. When you tell me, and I'm at a hotel, that you're only going to change my towels or change my sheets if I ask you to because you're that preserving the environment. Yeah, I agree. Really, you're preserving your labor cost. And that's one that I want to happen. I mean, you're paying for it. There's- and, and if you want to have that be part of your mission, then maybe you donate the money you save from the lack of washing to something or I hadn't like, put heard your money that. where your mouth is, people. Oh, but, my gosh. They have that all the time everywhere I on little cards. I, I saw it on a cruise ship. 
Oh, that's... Which is even grosser. Well, <laughs> it was there. You're right. <laughs> but I mean, water from the faucet, and it can be... <sighs> you know... I need we, water. We need water. I was in California driving around in a van, and I've never seen a state more dry it's in so my entire dry. life. Yeah. So I really did get a better sense of like, oh, well, the water, because I, you know, 10,000 lakes, we have all this water. Right. Um, and there was, did you read about the proposal where some a developer wanted to ship water in rail cars out to the Southwest from Minnesota? No. That's like a real thing. Well, it's almost like the beginning of that Kevin Costner movie. What was it? Water Wars or yeah, oh, Water, Water World? World. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is a real one thing. of the most disappointing movies I ever saw in my and it life. It was like a gajillion dollars yes. to make or something. Yeah, it stunk. It was so bad. <laughs> yeah. But interesting. No, I know. I, so there's been a lot of environmental things happening, and a Have lot you of had any of the plant-based meats. I want to try some. That you would like them. I, I was pleasantly I've tried, surprised. I've tried like mini sliders that are something mm-hmm. foreign. And I think they taste just like it. But what do you recommend? I Well, the Impossible Burger is really good at Red Cow. They have a burger that's called a SoCal Burger. And it's got avocado on it. And they serve it with vegan Brussels sprouts. It's really good. Oh, that sounds so good. Yeah. I'm and hungry. then like Stanley's Bar in Northeast, which also has the How. They have a... What's the How? Another... Bar, a like Astro Pub. Oh, okay. In South Minneapolis. Is it like stand up Franks? No. no, that would be stand up Franks. <laughs> that would be a. How would, at stand up Franks. Is it oh, like the. What's the folding flat Stanley? Oh, <laughs> Remember? Yes. Remember I, the guy? Uh huh. And your kids would draw an outline of themselves and he yes, would travel I around with your grandparents flat and everyone. Stanley. <laughs> Not funny. exercise at school. Have you had the one at Burger King? Yes. I, I've had and? that. Impossible Whopper. And? It was fantastic. Really? I loved it. Okay. It smelled like a Whopper. It tasted like a Whopper. Right. Does, it does was 100%. You, does the Impossible Burgers, and this is plant-based mm-hmm. meat, Meat. Um, does it have the same caloric yes. intake and protein? Yes. It really does. Yes. Less protein, same caloric intake. Okay. Um, But there's plant. There's protein in plants. People oh, don't yeah. think yeah, about yeah, that, yeah. but there is. Right. It's you're not really eating it to save calories. You're eating it to contribute it. to the safety of the environment. Okay, it got takes it. like one something square foot of something energy for a plant based meat alternative or fifteen something for animal got carbon it. emission, got it, got it, blah, got blah, it. blah. Got it, got and, it. And we are I mean, as a country and as the world, we're eating so much meat and now like the underdeveloped nations are also starting to do better financially, so they're eating a lot of meat. So meat consumption is just going through the roof. Oh, I didn't know. So that. they're trying okay. to find other alternatives. But I heard there was a pork, like a bacon overload or something. Well, there's a lot of pigs. Yeah, pork. Okay. I just bought a half a pork share. <laughs> I'm terrified whether it's going to come, and I'm not going to be able to fit it all in my freezer. I'll take some. Okay, good. What is mm-hmm. a pork share? Done. Well, it's well, half when a you pork. Share, it's my parents like when we grew up, we yeah. split oh. a cow with people. Yeah, so it's like in cow. Like I yeah. think the pigs can get to be like seven hundred pounds. So if I bought half, oh. that's three hundred pounds of. <laughs> wow. Do you have a, another freezer? I have a chest freezer, but I okay. feel like it's going to be full. that's going to be full. And it, I have like my daughter and neighbors. Like yeah. I might just be giving pork away. It's yeah. fine. Pork, pork for pork, pork for, for everyone. For, Work for all. Okay, when we come back, I've got to get your, because this is something that you just did, and I want your input, because I heard this story today that made my hair rise. All right. On the back of my neck. We'll be right back. This is Lori and Julia. (laughs) You know, I saw this story the other day. Did you ever notice that? You know, sometimes I wonder what would happen if... And now... 
Julia's random thoughts. He looks like that puppet. I don't know. He's had cheeky implants. It's just random. That's all it is. Oh my gosh. It's random. It's random. All right. So let me just find the pile that we're supposed to be talking about. Okay. So we were just talking about, um, you know, the meatless food and all that kind of stuff. And then there was this big story. And I know how you feel about national parks is the same way I feel about them. Oh, I love my national parks. We love our national parks. So Yosemite, 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 Yosemite in California. Yeah. Is very popular. Very popular. And now there's a movement to put, get internet so people who stay in the parks can have internet in their campers and everything and also bring in food trucks. Um, And I have a real strong feeling, but you just went on a trek in mm-hmm. your Dodge van with Kurt where you stayed at national parks. Mm-hmm. In Yosemite. Yeah. I don't think you can have food trucks. They're trying to pass something. There's a new thing about it. Yeah, I don't think that that would really work because they don't have the best food in the park and there isn't a lot of food in the park. Right. So I can see why that's a need. Okay. Um, But I can't imagine them having food trucks all over. But what do you think about internet in one of the quietest places, that one of the few that we have left in a national park to offer internet? Honestly. You don't care. I think it's time. Because one of the things when you're in the park, it's a huge park. So it would help with navigation. Okay. It would also, like, I was learning, like, I didn't know that Yosemite was a giant volcano. I was learning about, like, the geysers and the different um, animals that were in the park. Because you don't have, people don't buy guidebooks. And I couldn't, like, look anything up. Right. Okay. So that was kind of like, I couldn't upload any pictures. I was trying to, like, share the pictures because it was so beautiful. They do have some internet in the lodges, but it's pretty slow. Okay. The internet doesn't bug me as much, but, you know, here's what I will say about the national parks. They are super crowded, and they're, like, feeling like they're overrun. Well, they're getting a ton of money cut. Well, then don't let all these people in. Yep. Just, you know, have a certain amount that you reserve for this year, only X amount of people can come. And just stop treading right. on all of the paths to the point of where they're dirt. Right. You okay. know, just limit the amount. And if you're worried about access and you, you know, make a certain amount of it free for kids or school groups or whatever. But, you know, they're beautiful. All And there's a million parks, too. Like, no, we don't I don't have to go to Yosemite. No, I know. Go to Grand Tetons. Go to... Go to St. Croix. Yeah, go. Oh, my gosh. There's Afton. a park in Afton that I just Afton went to I the left. other day oh, that was fantastic. Great walking trails. And I couldn't believe you can spend the night. Like, there was a lot of people camping over MEA. I didn't know Yeah, that. a lot of people were out there camping with their families. Oh. But, so, yeah. All I'm, right. The internet thing. Doesn't bug you. Not too much. All right, we're going to move on. All right, so we are apparently going to be uh, experiencing December weather for a while here. Uh, yeah, 41 on Saturday. Yeah, Saturday helps. when the big Gopher Penn State yeah, game happens. Yeah, a little bit warmer for that game. But then it's going to be cold again. On so, Sunday, yeah. So they here say are we're going to have an epic winter. Yay. It's already started, I think. <laughs> Yay. So I have a um, a remote on my phone that taught to start my car. Oh, yeah, I have that. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Okay, but do you pay for it every month? Well, I got it. When I bought my car, I got it two years. Yeah, free. everyone did but me. So you can okay. start your car on your phone? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't have that. Yeah. 
I used to have the key thing, and yeah. I've lived by because we get out so late and it's so cold yeah, here. Yeah. And so, um, but last night I sat in my car with the lady trying to get it to work, and it was so cold last night. So my fingers, I have that rhinots, were going white. And she said, "You can't open your car door. You can't do anything." Because we were trying to get the remote hooked up for the yeah, year. Yeah, I understand. And it was just took forever, and I'm like, okay, this is cold. So I'm going to tell people how to acclimate your body to cold weather. Yeah, because oh. we are just in the process. Right. We just started. So one of the things is, and there's this is really how you prep your body for cold weather, and it's not comfortable stuff, and it scares me a little bit, but it does work. And if you, but if you have heart problems, don't do any of this, you know, because okay. it's changing Check temperatures. Check your physician. Yes. So the fast. A fast way, because then there's a really fast way, but a fast way is to spend more time in the cold and let yourself be cold. Don't bundle up when you go out for just a couple minutes. Let your ears get cold, let your nose get cold. Wear a light jacket versus a coat. You know, if you're bringing your garbage out or if you're going on a little walk around the block, just don't be so bundled up. Okay. Initially, you know, till we can try to get our body used to being a little more cold. Mm-hmm. Is there such a thing? Like, do does your body acclimatize? I Yes, because yes, it, does. it does. Like when I lived in Arizona in the south for all those years, you get used to the heat. You get used to the heat. Okay. You know, yeah. and it does happen. Um, and the really, really, really fast way to... Get your body ready is taking cold showers. <laughs> I end my showers with freezing cold water because really? I absolutely love how that feels on the top of my head. Oh. I think it's have it's I, good like, for your hair. I love it diving in my lake pore. when it's cold. Oh, I, I love that feeling of cold on my head. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, huh. So the U.S. Army put a lot of money into studying how our bodies adapt to the cold because they needed people to get acclimated right away, mm-hmm. and they found that cold showers and baths speed things up but you can go slow to do this you know give yourself like a week or something but start you you start showering initially with really cold water okay for like 15 seconds and see if you can make it and Uh, then each day you add another 10 seconds to it okay and that'll start your body kind of getting used to the cold so your blood vessels don't constrict as much you're less likely to shiver when, and the cold weather won't body bother you so much. I see. So I thought that was. There are of- people like my daughter can really be outside and not be cold for a long time. I think younger people have more. She just from oh, maybe from skiing because yeah, she was a big downhill right? skier. She was outside all the time. I literally she freeze in never the even studio. wears a coat. Cold weather does not bother me anywhere near oh. like, uh, like hot weather does. Oh, I could be hot forever. No. Cold is my thing. But in the studio, I wear gloves sometimes. I go get hot coffee for my hands, you know, because we have a cold situation here. But yeah, it's different. But so I thought that was kind of useful stuff if it might help people. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Climatize. Climatize your body. Um, if you've been wanting to get the 1989 Batmobile that was introduced by... Um, DC Batman, the Tim Burton directed Batman movie. It's the 30th anniversary of it. And on Black Friday, November 29th at Lego.com, 
or at your local stores. There's a Lego store right in the Mall of America. It's going to retail for $249.99, but it's huge. It will measure 23 inches long. Big. Yeah, that's two uh-huh. feet. This is a Lego car. Yeah. Yeah. If okay. You wanna, How many you know, pieces? I loved, I remember one year when I had to get the um, boat. It wasn't Noah's Ark, but it was a Star Wars boat. And I, you know, the Lego set. Yeah. Every single Target. Kmart was around then. Walmart. Everywhere. Oh, I went. trying to find Kids the toys. Smart, you know, creative kids everywhere to find those toys. Do you remember those days? Yeah, I remember kind of having to find the Playmobil them. sets. Yeah, in the Wii when that first came out. Yep. Oh, you had the first Wii, I remember. I did, and but I made my kid pay part of it. And he still holds it against me. I said, that's the only thing you've ever paid for in your life. <laughs> you know? That's funny. <laughs> to this um, day. I know. it. So... You saw this, I'm sure, Stephanie, because you're everything Thanksgiving, and that's really good. You know, on Weekly Dish, you guys do a deep dive into Thanksgiving. Oh, yes. We'll have our Thanksgiving show. It's so fun to It'll listen. It'll be Saturday the 23rd will be our all-Thanksgiving show. And you guys really try different recipes yeah. and give us different ways to cook the meat. I mean, it's so... I love listening to you guys on Saturdays. Thank you. Um, but they came out with the most um, popular Thanksgiving recipe in every state. Oh, and was min- ours grape salad? That was no. We got salad and brownies. Okay, salad what? is, is what the makes recipe? brownies? Who writes these ridiculous lists that think that all we eat in the Midwest Pr- is Pr- gross salad. I know <laughs> these people are crazy. But this Wisconsin is- got what I really like to eat on Thanksgiving, which is green bean casserole and pumpkin pie. I mean, please, I, brownies. What's wrong with brownies? I love, I think Thanksgiving? I love brownies. I do okay. too, but not on Thanksgiving. I, I never like even had one served to me. I have the best new brownie recipe, not right. to digress, but I'm just saying. Have you posted it? Can I get it? No, and I need to post it. Does it have frosting with mint? No, it? you don't need the frosting, though, because oh. they're almost like flourless chocolate cake. Oh, and see, they have I, salt on the top, Julia. All right, fine. So I the like salt crunchy makes brownies. The chocolate I'm, more intense. All right. I believe you. Julie likes the end pieces. I, you know, burnt the, ends. The burnt my restaurant. Ones. Yeah, the burnt ends are good sometimes. Uh, they I'm made them. Gonna... Then they came out with them in a bag, and they're too crunchy. You know those burnt ends. They're really good brownies. when you put them on ice cream. Oh my gosh! I know. Don't, I've been eating a lot of ice so cream lately. It's my favorite. Yesterday, I ate so much sugar. I was crazy on my show all day. <laughs> no <laughs> medication oh, and sugar. I was over the edge. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why Lori's not here today. Mm-hmm. What sugar were you eating? Everything that was inside around here. Okay, when we come back, um, we've got um, Wild Game, the hot, hot book that is going to... Oh, wow. It's a memoir. We're gonna, <laughs> I'm so excited. It's already got rights to a movie. And Holly's going to be with us next, telling us about the traffic. How- Look what I have done, dialing up the numbers And not since the Glass Castle has a memoir managed to convey such a complex family bond and devotion. And your story Thank is you. amazing. We're so excited. Thank to- you so much. I appreciate oh, that. Oh, my gosh. We're so excited to have you on today. Can you, for our listeners, give them the setup of your book? 
Sure. So Wild Game is tells the story of my very complicated relationship with my mother. And it starts with a pivotal moment in my life, which was when I was a 14-year-old girl. Um, and we were on my family's home on Cape Cod. And well after midnight, my parents, my mother and stepfather had had guests for the weekend. And there had been a very boozy dinner and in the middle of the night, my mother opened my door and came into my room to tell me that her husband, who is my stepfather's best friend, had just kissed her. And so what I didn't know at that moment was that this was going to go on to become a really an epic love affair between my mother and her husband's best friend. Um, but it was one of those I, I did know that it was changing everything, that I'd gone to bed as my mother's daughter and I'd woken up as her confidant and sort of co-conspirator. And I got very embroiled in helping her with this affair as, as a young, as a child and then a young woman. And it's just so unbelievable that your mom would, you know, break the boundaries of being the adult and having you be a part of that yeah. as the child, you know, and it, it's yeah, just, I mean, that's, Go ahead. That's what I was sort of, ex no, that's what I was exploring there. And of course, you know, it's interesting at my age, and I happen to have a 14-year-old daughter, so it makes it all the more shocking because, of course, as the 14-year-old, I felt fully ready to be her friend, and sure. I was sort of thrilled at the idea of her happiness and all that. And now, as an adult, seeing a 14-year-old, of course, I realize that despite how they might appear as, a, as an adult, you know, they're still children. And so it was, you know, that's been one of the sort of heart-cracking moments of this is sort of realizing that above all, and why I wrote the book, is that I knew that there was this legacy in my family of keeping secrets, and I needed to break that um, with this next generation. And in the... It it's such a compelling story. It's like, I don't even want to give it away to everybody, but <laughs> because it's just so good. And I think um, before um, I've got a partner here who wants to ask you questions too. my, um, there's okay. so many different times your parents got married, you know, remarried, and then you married your mother's lover's son and divorced from, I mean, it's just, I excuse me. I said I did indeed. <laughs> I know oh, you did indeed. I mean, and it's just like an epic, epic. And when you talk about just kind of the underlying keeping the secret from your stepdad and having this secret with your mom, you feel, you know, your mom is a complete narcissist in doing this to you. But also you have such compassion and love your mom and you want to be part of it. And you got some energy from that. I did, and I do feel like one of the sort of heart-expanding processes of writing a memoir is that when you put yourself in someone else's shoes, as I had to do for my mother, um, I, and I'm not saying anything but that she made a very poor maternal decision sure. in enlisting me, but you do, you do actually see when you know anyone's story, you develop the capacity to forgive them or to see why they might have done what they did. And however crazy it might sound, her um, her childhood made mine look like a picnic. I mean, she had oh. a really difficult childhood. She had 
um, parents who kept bigger secrets from her. There was a whole secret other family. And, um, you know, she'd, she'd gone through some great tragedies before, before this moment. And so some people actually read the book and kind of admire that she sort of chose to go for love rather than curl up in, into a ball. But I think, you know, the, the, the big problem and the big thing that I was trying to, um, examine in the book was just the nature of, keeping a secret and how devastating it is, especially for a young person, but for any of us, because on some level, when you keep a secret of that magnitude, what happens if you actually prevent yourself from intimate relationships or being known in any way? Because, of course, you're holding this huge part of yourself back from your friends or your boyfriends or whoever it is, your teachers. You just are holding something in. Oh, Adrian, that is so well said about secrets. If you're just joining us, the book is Wild Game. We're talking with the author, Adrian. Adrian Broder. I hope I did it right that time. I'm terrible with names, by the way. You did it right. Okay, and, and just, um, you know, you've been in the publishing business, and your mother was a famous chef. How do you say your name? Is it Malabar? Malabar? It's Malabar, yeah. Malabar. And, um, Malabar. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, when did you, because you've been, you know, you've kept journals since you were a young woman, and this book had so many people that wanted to publish it, and I know it's been made into a movie. Um, did yep. you expect this explosion of interest when you finally decided to sit down and put pen to paper? Oh, of of course not. You know, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I didn't have an agent. I didn't have an editor. I was writing this deeply personal, very quirky story in part to just figure out my own feelings about it. Right. And and so, you know, you obviously, as a writer, you hope your work will get published. But honestly, and I'm not being coy, I really thought perhaps there would be the perfect editor at a small house who would, you know, love this story. I, I think what I didn't realize is um, the universality, because, of course, even though you might not have been complicit in your mother's extramarital love affair sure. like I was, I think mothers, mothers are universal and boundaries are universal. And it's such an incredibly powerful role that mothers have in our lives. And many, many people who've read this book come to me and they say, I feel like you wrote it for me, which nothing could shock me more, of course. Um, but I think that a lot of people have had, can relate because of similar, even if they're different, but similar circumstances with their own parents. Yeah, the I, power I wanted, of secrets. Yeah, I wanted to ask you that because I came from a family, a mother that had had a long-term affair, sort of similar situation I didn't know until I was 16. Wow. Um, but it's a very, wow. it, it's a more common story than people know. And how old were you when you finally realized, like, wow, this isn't like everybody else necessarily? Well, it's such a great question, of course, because, you know, we all only get one childhood and one set of parents. So for the most part, our life seems very normal to us. And coupled with that, this sort of legacy of deception, I knew my grandparents had done the same thing. So I kind of just thought this is this is yeah. the adult world. This is what these people do. And so, you know, there were very many beats along the way where, you know, I would have a moment, a sort of mini awakening. And, you know, that, that was, you know, one sort of ne'er-do-well boyfriend who had you know, nothing. I mean, he, he was hardly the person who I would have expected to judge me. And, but I had told him this story or judge my mother, I should say, but I told him this story sort of innocently as a 17 year old or something. And he was like, Oh my God, like I've never heard anything so horrible. And I 
really thought he'd misunderstood because, of course, how I had been sort of groomed to understand the story was that they were actually doing the good thing because they they weren't breaking hearts. They weren't breaking this family. They were going to stick together. Right. So there were very many things along the way. The real game changer for me, of course, was having children and realizing, like, you know, this is this. I just need to face this and sit with this and be with this directly because if this is going to stop, it has to stop with me. And it's not going to stop just because I hope it will. You have to, you have to face it. You have to own your part in it. And that way you can move out from under the story. I think I, it's cool you took a, wrote a journal too because I think looking back on events that happen in our lives that are kind of traumatic like this, we can recreate them and create a new narrative that fits our thoughts Absolutely. I totally agree with you there. And it's and it's important for us to do. It's the only way to kind of move on mm-hmm. and make sense of things. Oh, my gosh. All right. If you're just joining us, this is a hot book. You can read it. it you won't want to put it down. Wild Game, My Mother, Her Lover, and Me by Adrian Brodeur. And Adrian, um, the necklace, yeah. you know, that has a, a big role in the book. Um <laughs> I kind of read in some of the different things that you, you know, your mother's 80 now and she has to mention you've been reading her excerpts from the book. Has that been kind of a way for you guys, you know, to spend time and heal? I know that you are. Well, I'm no longer, I'm no longer reading her parts of the book. She's actually very, very ill at this point. I read her parts of the book as I was, no, it's, it's. Fine. Um, I read her parts of the book, you know, a couple years ago as I was writing it. And that was healing because I have to say that, um, you know, it was pretty brave of her when, when she was healthier. About five years ago, I had told her um, that I planned to write this book. And, you know, she knew I'd been struggling with this for a long time. Right. And I have to say, you know, she um, supported me and she offered me, she was a great chronicler of her own life. She had a lot of journals and she wrote cookbooks and had food articles and she sort of compiled things and helped me um, get a sense of the timeline and, and actually allowed me sort of a, uh, an avenue into some of her, you know, her childhood and and lots of areas I didn't know about before, which gave me a great deal of compassion for her. That's that's so beautiful. And then I we have to go. We have to before we go. I have two things. The Mary Oliver poem. Yeah. We love Mary Oliver. It, that just the oh, way you start I love your Mary book. Oliver too. Oh yeah, that was so sad. Um, and then her passing this last year. And then also, what is the last great book you read? I just finished in the last couple of days, um, so good, Know My Name by um, Chanel Miller, and it is, she is the woman who is the Emily Doe in the rape case with the Stanford swimmer all those years ago, and in this memoir, she reclaims her identity in such a powerful way after the criminal justice system and this man had taken it from her, and it is a beautiful book. Oh, I love knowing that. I saw her interviewed a while back, but um, that's great to know. You are, a, what a lovely gift to a lot of people, and um, it's just such a great book. Thank you for being on our show. Well, thank and we'll look. Thank for- you so much for having me. I oh, really appreciate it. It's so lovely. Um, I mean, it's not lovely, but it's hard fought. But there, you wrote something about forgiveness that's just sticking with me. Um, that... I think, you know, we talk about the power of secrets and how painful they are and how much damage they do, but also the power of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. 
And that really resonated with yeah. me. So thank you. Your book is amazing. Um, big thumbs up. Thanks for your time. And we got to go, guys. We gotta, we've got we got a couple books. Thanks, honey. We've got a couple books to give away. Give us a buzz at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back with Hollywood Speak. So what are you trying to say? Hollywood. Hollywood Speak. What is the meaning of this? Right. Okay, we, okay, that woman, Donnie, just when you uh, put it up, I'm not yes. going to write something that's Lori's Don't job. Don't worry about it, Ollie. But that's just okay. give it the highest. I'll give it the highest I mean, story give that a book. book, Wild Game, you guys, is I mean, so, I haven't read it, and I'm sitting here just fascinated by so, the story. I mean, wow. they're comparing it to, you know, all of these other really powerful memoirs that we've read, and it's such a crazy story. You know what blew me away when you said... She married her mother's lover's yeah, son. He did. I was like, whoa. I know. <laughs> and just the. We were talking about, um, like, so a lot of people get married, a lot of people get divorced. Right. You have a lot of people have step people in their life. Right. I have step people, you yep. have step people. And it and then it's kind of weird when like the marriages fall apart, right? Right. So she had this stepfather that her mom was cheating on with her lover. But they stayed married. Right. Yeah. But so, like, still, like, you have this allegiance to this person. Right. Even if they stay married or don't stay married, Mm because some of us have had steps that they weren't married. And then who is that person in your life moving forward? Well, that's that. That, I think, would be the weirdest thing, because I had, you know, I had stepdads. Um, My mom married twice. They never had kids. Thank goodness. Um, So were you close to them even after the marriages ended? Because you like lived with them them as children. Yeah, one of them I was, one of them I wasn't. Um, One of them, you know, I got kicked out before I went to college. Right. At my home, and it was, you know, about them, you know, and I put them as collective, but it was more maybe him. So I I didn't feel anything, but I, I know some of my friends whose parents like yous die, who was married, and you have a stepdad, and then like you have that person in your life, and... And what does that mean now? You and know? how? And that person has been like the grandparent to your kids, right? And what do you do with that? Or when then you've been raised by a step person, and then your person well, gets we're remarried. Calling them bonus people, yeah. You but, know, yeah. No. Bonus people. It's yeah. A weird. It's a weird dynamic yes. when the real, you know, your parent dies. And what I will say about her story: fourteen is pretty young to be invited oh. into this relationship, but. It's not uncommon. No. A lot of kids find out that one of their parents is cheating Mm -hmm. and they don't tell or they stuff it because they don't want to contribute to the dissolution of the marriage. Some marriages can get through this. Some don't. But while it seems sort of salacious, Mm -hmm. it's not entirely uncommon. It just what's fascinating is so the mom would go on walks out on the outer shore with the, it was two couples that always hung out together, and the name of the movie, the name of the book is Wild Game. Mm-hmm. And the mom was a famous, you know, chef book author, yeah, book author. Okay. She wrote for the and Boston Globe. So everything Globe. was about food, and so um, this this all started out this book um, with a, what what is it called again? The um, New York Times Love um, Modern Love. She wrote a piece called The Affair for Modern Love. 
which is now people are watching the on modern Netflix. love stories on Amazon. On Amazon, yeah. Oh, right, yep. right. So she wrote a piece for that. Okay. And um, she's from writers. Her dad was a writer for the New York Times um, and stuff like that. But yeah. um, she would go like late night, like, um, come on out and walk with us, Adrian. You know, Ben wants to walk. I want to walk. Why don't you come with us? So it wasn't like they were sneaking out walking. And, and she would go in a different direction than they would and wait for them. Oh, yeah, it's so, you know, wow. yeah. So really being looped into it all. Can I say one thing, though, about Please. her that I also, this is, I think, why the book is really resonating, because it sounds like it's pretty salacious, but also she gets into the mind of her mom in the later years. So her and her mom got to make that connection. Because yes. affairs are dirty business, right? Nobody wants to have an affair. No. What you find out, though, when you really dig down is a lot of people that are having affairs People get their needs met. It's not always pretty. Right. It's not always uh, good looking, but mm-hmm. people get their needs met because we're humans and that's what we do. Right. And to find the grace that she did find with her mother, it's and you her- could tell that there's love there still. Oh. And she, as a young girl, loved her mom. Yeah. And she thought that, you know, it just caused her anxiety later in of life. Of course and having it would. This- yeah. It's, and it's, do you want your mom not to have this the the love of her life if that's what you think is well, happening her in that moment? Well, suffered a stroke, which even makes yes. it tragicer. Yeah, yeah, more it, tragic. I, it tra- I like tragicer. Tragicer. It's just <laughs> so we're talking about the book Wild Game. It's a good read, you guys. And it's you a, said it, it now. That this is going to be not it's a, already doc- a movie, not a documentary, but no, it's going to be movie. Fic- wow. So she had she has been a writer. She's formed. Um, a uh, writing thing with um, Francis Ford Coppola. She had a writing um, literary Zo- magazine. Zotrope. And she oh, was sure, also an Zotrope. agent. She was an yeah. agent. So she this, knows yes. her way around this business. Yes. And she also um, was an editor for HMH, which is Huffman Milford, Milford Huffman. Uh, that's her publisher. Yep. Houghton. And that's who she's worked for, too, right, for years. Yeah. She had so many people wanting this book. But then the person who wrote, the story, the mo- movie, um, Edge of 17, which is such a great coming of age story. If you guys haven't seen it, it's been out in the last three years. Um, the director, Kelly Freeman Craig, bought the rights to this as a movie. So this will be a movie too. And remember, Glass Castles turned into a movie as yeah, well. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, it's just. I hope my husband's book turns into a movie. Well, tell us about that. Oh, he's in the final stages of, with his editor of getting it ready to sell to a publisher. And one of the things they've talked a lot about is, you know, adding things that will make it more sellable as a movie. Mm. So when it happens, you guys will be the first to know. We'll make them come on. I hope it's an exploding offer. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but I hope it well, is it too. Happened. It sounds so good. Our first time we heard about that was when um, the woman in the room, Donnie, the knight, the woman who uh, couldn't leave her home. Yeah, the guy was the writer who said he went to Cambridge, but he didn't. Yeah, he kind the of night. fudged. Come on, it's coming out as a movie. I know. Edie Adams is starring in it. Uh, I'll find it. Or f- no. 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 It was a big one. The woman who couldn't come no. out of her room. Yeah, the I night. I think I read that. Yes. I'll, I'll figure it out. All right. It's not quickly. I like Amy quickly. Adams, too. <laughs> well, quickly, because now it's gonna... I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'll find the out. The woman in to... the window. Yes. Oh, okay. There we go. Yes, and Amy yeah. Adams is going to be the woman who can't leave her house, you know, and sees something. And um, oh, I read yes. that. The that woman was a in the window. Book. Yeah, it's post production. She'll play Anna Fox. Yes. Um, 
Oh my God, I just found out something exciting. Do you remember Ella Enchanted where um, Amy Adams played the um, a character from Disney? Cindy, comes Cinderella, up, yes. Giselle? Yeah. And she comes up through the sewer tank and it started, um, he's behind you on the wall, Patrick Dempsey? Yes, I loved that movie. I love that movie. I just saw, it's just been announced that Disenchanted is going to be made into part two. Okay. Oh. I love that movie. So Enchanted, anyway, that's what it, it was yes, called. Yes, Ella Enchanted, I think. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I love that movie. Um, okay, where were we? We didn't get to anything. We All were right. just really diving, diving deep into the book Wild Game, written by Adrian, Adrian Brodeur. Yes. And about her relationship with her yes. mother. Mm-hmm. It's a good book, people. All right, we'll be back, and we've got tickets to give away to Journey and the Pretenders. We're going to guess the celebrity voice right on the other side of the break. Stay with us.